Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Hey, everybody. Uh, This is a repeat uh, for a change. Uh, It's my conversation with Norm Ornstein and Judge Steve Leifman of Miami Dade County. I'm putting it up as sort of a companion piece to my YouTube video this week on crisis intervention training. Crisis intervention training, or CIT, is a training for police to recognize when they are confronting a situation that is energized by a mental health disorder, sometimes um, drug addiction, which is, of course, a mental health uh, disorder. And um, I was a champion of this uh, in the Senate. I got federal funding for it. What really brought this to mind again was the George Floyd uh, trial, the Chauvin trial, really. That situation was so, just so badly handled. It was so wrong. They, instead of de-escalating that situation, uh, which if they had training, maybe they got some training, but uh, clearly you also need some empathy too. And in Miami Day, they give uh, some crisis intervention training, or at least that information to every cop. But what they do is they, the ones, the cops that are are empathetic naturally, they become part of crisis intervention teams and police who confront a situation who may not know how to handle it. That's what what they do is they call crisis intervention teams and the crisis intervention teams know how to de-escalate, to bring down the temperature. And this saves lives. This saves lives. I met Judge Leifman through Norm, Norm Ornstein. I think those of you who listen to this podcast a lot know Norm. He's the, the renowned political scientist, and that's what we normally talk about. Uh, he's an expert on, on Congress. Uh, he also, he and his wife Judy have become very, very involved in mental health, uh, spend a lot of their, their time and energy and and resources addressing mental health issues. And part of the reason for that is their son, Matthew, who I uh, love and uh, knew for, I went to his bar mitzvah. Brilliant, brilliant kid, uh, graduated Princeton, hilarious, very funny, very sweet, very loving guy um, at a certain age. Uh, just developed a mental illness, and eventually he died. Not a not a suicide. Of a, it was an accident that came out of uh, of of his disease. And um, 
so Norm and Judy uh, have really introduced me to uh, a number of people. One of them is Judge Leifman, who I did, I, I believe, met when I was fighting for crisis intervention training. What they do uh, in Miami is is pretty amazing, and the results have been pretty amazing in terms of, first of all, just the lives saved, the people that were not killed, uh, but also the people who uh, have uh, some mental illness. And instead of putting someone who um, has a mental health disorder, instead of throwing them in jail, which does nobody any good, getting them treatment, getting them treatment and getting them a job and housing. And this has saved lives in many ways, and it's also saved the city of Miami and Miami-Dade a lot of money, a lot of money, and their taxpayers, a lot of money. So I just would like you to listen to this. And, you know, there are solutions to problems. Uh, This, this to me, seems like uh, they're on the right right track here, and uh, uh, I'd love you to take a listen. Thanks. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example, let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that, means, that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now... Get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Judge Steve Leifman. You're a county judge in in Miami-Dade County, right? Correct. And you have um, started this program. You started it 20 years ago, right? That's right. It's basically a, a program where you take people who are mentally ill, who've been arrested, and instead of um, putting them in jail, which right now I guess is pretty much where we put most of our our people who are who have, have mental illness is that right that's correct about 40 percent of all people with mental illnesses at some point will come into contact with the criminal justice system last year there were about two million arrests 
involving people with these serious illnesses. And instead of that, you you have this jail diversion program. Is that that's kind of what you call it, right? Yeah, and it and it's both pre and post. So we've also done a lot of training of our law enforcement to educate them about these illnesses, so they actually stop making the arrest up front as well. And that's crisis intervention training. That's correct. Okay, I, I think as Norm knows, and as you might, as I might have told you, uh, I've been a big champion of crisis intervention training. So, why don't you explain, Judge, what what that is? Sure. It's a 40-hour training program where we teach law enforcement officers uh, how to identify people with mental illnesses, how to de-escalate the situation so no uh, deadly force is needed, and then where to take someone as opposed to arresting them. And for us, um, we have 36 police departments, so we've been able to train all 36 uh, departments. We have over 7,500 officers now trained. And what we had not anticipated was the level of PTSD among law enforcement officers. Now, uh, this crisis intervention training, it teaches uh, police to recognize uh, when they're in a situation that involves mental illness, uh, but it, uh, the crisis intervention training has also uh, revealed that a lot of them, a lot of police have uh, mental health difficulties themselves. You know, last year, sadly, more law enforcement officers died from suicide than in the line of duty. Um, you have a lot of returning vets with PTSD. You have uh, officers that get PTSD on the job. It's a physiological reaction, and they get what we call an overdose of cortisone, and it just makes their life miserable, and they have a lot of symptoms from it. And they're in a profession that really does not encourage um, treatment. And so we've actually set up a treatment program for them outside the police department, which has helped them tremendously. Also made them incredibly empathetic to what we're doing. And they really, for the most part, have stopped arresting people in my community with these serious mental illnesses. So what your program is, is to take people who very often are on the street and they get into a situation where policemen normally would arrest them and instead of arrest them, bring them in to see a judge. And you put them in a program, if they want to, uh, that's a year-long program, and, and you get them the medication and you... We get them everything. I mean, what we realized, which was interesting, is that for a lot of these individuals, by the time they do get it, end up getting arrested with a serious mental illness, they often suffer from serious depression on top of their serious mental illness because the system is really beating the heck out of them. And so we do everything they need for recovery. We assign them a peer. We get them transportation. We get them clothes. We get them food. We get them medication. We give them educational opportunities. We do this for both uh, all of our misdemeanor charges and for our nonviolent felony charges. And so if it's a misdemeanor, um, it's usually about six months and we'll drop the charges, but we will continue to work with them for up to a year. And for the felony population, um, they're usually in the program for a year. And upon successful completion, we drop the charges as well. Uh, so you get them treatment and uh, jobs and, and housing. So let's talk about housing and what we're going through now. I cannot imagine what it's like for homeless people 
and I know a lot, a high percentage of homeless people do have some mental health issues. What it must be like for them now in terms of exposure to, to the virus and what that looks like for even people going to homeless shelters. I don't know how you create any kind of uh, social distance in a homeless shelter. It is a very serious and difficult challenge, and it's on all kinds of levels because not only are doctors at the hospitals having difficulties getting protective equipment, the frontline folks at a mental health facility are getting none. And so we're having a real problem with staff even showing up to our providers. Um, and in the facilities, we've had a couple situations already where someone has tested positive. They're floridly psychotic. They are not self-quarantining themselves. And we've had to put some protocols in place to try to get them uh, treated and hospitalized if needed. But the only good thing I can say is because we are so coordinated here that we have steps that we can take and special officers that we can call in the hospital in advance so that we prepare everybody as we move someone through it. But you're right. It's very difficult for everybody involved, particularly those suffering with these illnesses. And uh, you're diverting them from jail. What is it like in jail? What is it like in prison? We actually released a lot of extra people over the last few weeks to try to keep them out, uh, particularly those that might have underlying health issues. Um, and a lot of this population, unfortunately, has diabetes, sometimes from the medication. So we really did our best to release people and are doing our best. Our, I have an amazing staff, and that's why this is so successful. Um, and they are keeping in touch with them on a daily basis and then reporting. And then we're working um, on some hearings um, with the court, either virtually or we have a one hearing a day at the courthouse that we can report. And if we need to intervene at some point, we're trying to do that. But it's very hard. So you've been doing this for 20 years. Is there a, kind of an origin story? There is. Um you know, as a judge 20 years ago, we had no training in this area. I actually had a case where the defendant turned out to be a Harvard-educated psychiatrist who had a late onset of schizophrenia, and he didn't show up to work one day. And it turned out he had cashed in his life insurance policy. He was having religious ideations, and he decided he needed to get to Israel. So he jumped on a plane and flew to Israel, and within a few weeks, the Israelis deported him back to Miami because he was running around naked in the Orthodox sections of Jerusalem, and he was at a risk, and he returned to Miami as a homeless man, and he ended up in my courtroom on a nothing, you know, county ordinance violation, and he ended up having a full-blown psychotic episode because I wasn't trained and we didn't have anything in place, and the situation really for me was kind of a window into everything that was wrong uh, with our system. And whether you're a judge or any type of professional, you never want to be in a situation where you're contributing to the problem. And um, as a result of this case, um, we put together a summit 20 years ago, and we brought all the stakeholders to a two-day meeting. And we decided uh, that we were the problem, not the people with the illnesses, and we needed to change what we were doing. And so we you know, began this, 
amazing journey where we decided we needed to structurally change the entire system. And each year we've made it a little bit better and a little bit more comprehensive. And uh, we're at the point now where we're halfway done building the first of its kind mental health diversion facility. Um, that will be for the most acutely ill that we haven't been able to help enough that we can have a one-stop shop where we can offer them the services they need. And you were able to pay for that with the savings of not putting people in, in jail who don't need to be in jail. If you do the right thing, you not only improve public safety, you save a ton of money. Well, hang um, on. Let me write that down. Otherwise, I'll forget a sure shooting. Uh, do the right thing. And what? You will improve your public safety, uh -huh. save a ton of money, and money. help people get into recovery. Uh -huh. It's not rocket science. And so, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying it's win, 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 this thing? Amazing, huh? Yes, it is a win-win situation for I'm everybody skeptical. involved. But, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Norm now because I trust Norm. <laughs> I know Norm. Our family is your friends with your family. And you, this has touched you with Matthew, uh, who our family loved. Brilliant, brilliant, and hilarious, by the way, and kind and sweet, and had us had a break in his 20s, right? Yeah, exactly so. And, uh, you know, Matthew was a brilliant young man. He was a national champion high school debater, went to Princeton, was out in Hollywood and having some success. And at 24, had a psychotic break, believed that God had come for him. Uh, you know, Steve talked about uh, the religious ideation, which is a common thing uh, in uh, uh, these kinds of psychotic uh, illnesses. He thought God had come from him and had taken his soul, but not his body. He didn't know why, and he had to find a way to get his soul back. And part of his illness was what's called anosognosia, which is a part of the brain disease that hits a very substantial share of those with a serious illness like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, where you have no insight into your own illness. And if you're over 18... Uh, and you don't think you're ill, and you think that people, uh, including your loved ones who are trying to get you help, are actually uh, taking you in a direction that would be shattering to you. Uh, there's nothing that can be done in a broken system. After 10 years of horrible pain and struggle for him and for us and for all the people who were close to him, including you and your family uh, and your daughter, Thomason and Matthew were particularly close he died accidentally in a motel room uh, of carbon monoxide poisoning, driven by the uh, lack of insight that he had into his own behavior and, and illness. And we created this foundation, the Matthew Harris Ornstein Memorial Foundation, to try and do something that would be, uh, it's a phrase that uh, Joe Biden has used, uh, uh, trying to turn your uh, horrible tragedy uh, into uh, something good. Yeah, you have yeah, I, really dedicated yourself. And, in fact, the Matthew Ornstein Foundation is uh, financed and produced this film, the film that we're that's uh, going to be on PBS on April 14th. Check your local listings for the definition of insanity. And uh, I watched this film and uh, was 
one, heartened in many ways, but also in tears. Tears very often of just being moved by the great stuff you do. And, you know, Justin, the Justin Volpe, who is someone who went through your program and is now, that's that's what he does. He, What, what do you call? He's a, he's a peer specialist, and he is a remarkable young man. My goodness. He, this you know, guy is. with a very serious mental illness. A co-occurring disorder was a real mess when we got to him. But because he was young and he had not been sick for a lot of years, he cognitively was still well. And we were able to get him really turned around. I performed his wedding. He's married. He has a kid. He works full time for us. He owns a house. Yep. And he was in the kind of shape you just could not imagine that people you see on the street that we walk past every day, uh, discarding them like they don't matter. And when you see someone like Justin come back and contribute and have a fulfilling life, it is the most inspiring thing and gives us all tears uh, yeah. to see him succeed and others like him. He's kind of, for people who watch this, he's kind of like the greatest person you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's a cool guy. So, he is, he's funny. He's cool. He's sharp. <laughs> yeah. So he's got the, great insight now. <laughs> the point is, is that you t this is a program in which you took somebody who was mentally ill, arrested, alcoholic, drug addict, complete mess. And he's become maybe the greatest person in the world. I agree. I would say so. <laughs> and so, you know, first of all, Norm, you know that it takes a lot to get me to cry, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, I will say when I performed uh, uh, the uh, ceremony for Al's daughter's uh, wedding, uh, I said that the over-under on how long it would him to cry when he got up was three seconds and it was a little less than that <laughs> i was part of the ceremony that you conducted and uh i think the over under was three words and it was <laughs> and it was under <laughs> it was two words i yeah. started to cry yeah, two words. Okay. that's just the way i've always been and i'm not yeah. ashamed of it this is a, a beautiful beautiful movie and look we have so many people in this country who are vulnerable and right now, especially, I, I think, I hope that during this time, this horrible, horrible time, that we're going to come out the other side of it, understanding what's important in life and what's important in life is our families and what's important in life is the way you treat uh, your fellow man. We've seen unbelievable courage, unbelievable compassion during this. Uh, I'm hoping i'm not betting <laughs> i'm hoping that as a nation we emerge from this better in the way that you quoted former vice president biden and i know that i mean obviously he has suffered uh losses tremendous losses i know too that when matthew when matthew passed he called you and spoke to you at great length yeah, Biden uh, is an amazingly empathetic man um, who suffered more than anybody should. Uh, and he called when he was vice president. Uh, this was uh, January 2015. 
and spend an hour on the phone with me, with Judy, my wife, and Matthew's mother, with Danny, uh, Matthew's brother, and uh, followed up with a handwritten letter. In, in many ways, the quality that makes Biden stand out from so many others, um, that there is a genuine empathy for people who've suffered tragedies of any sort. I think, sadly, we're also going to see a huge uptick in serious mental illness after the pandemic for two reasons. One is if you look at the research from the 1918 pandemic, there was a huge spike in PTSD as a result of all the trauma people are going through. And then if you look at some of the interesting research, after every viral and flu epidemic in the U.S., there's usually a spike in schizophrenia. And one of the theories is that um, viruses may contribute uh, to the triggering of schizophrenia. And so with the number of people getting affected, we actually may see a major increase. Okay, okay, stop, stop. I I want people to be more compassionate, not more depressed. Okay, but the point is we better start thinking about developing better systems of care or we're going to overwhelm our system now um, as people come through this. Well, yes, and I've heard Trump say the same thing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. You know, just... it, uh, the pandemic itself uh, hits the most vulnerable among us harder than almost anybody else. And that includes the homeless population and the prison population, which can't uh, practice social distancing. And if you combine that with the large numbers who have a mental illness to begin with, we have a a big, big problem uh, that we need to do something about immediately. We're going to have this additional uh, surge in cases of people with serious mental illness. I think it's maybe the virus. It may also be uh, so much of this can be triggered by stress. And there's going to be a lot of stress uh, out there. If you think about younger people, you know, where the, the danger is greatest among those of between, say, 17 and 25, when the prefrontal cortex of the brain is just developing, all of those who don't know whether their college careers are going to be affected, uh, who missed out on uh, major events, uh, who have to worry about jobs. And then, of course, just people who lose their jobs or who are going to have other kinds of mental illness. And if we're not prepared to deal with it, and that means an infusion of resources and I hope uh, expansion of programs like Judge Lifeman's, um, the society is going to suffer even more of a ripple effect here that's going to be tough. I, I think it's more important to give a uh, $170 billion tax break to uh, people in the real estate business who. Well, the cruise lines, especially. Yeah. You, uh, you, our families took a cruise together. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, nice. That was Did, we liked it. Yeah. Okay, yes. so let's not knock the cruise industry. They yeah. took a hit there. Uh, so, uh, but also, I mean, I am interested also in d- domestic violence, uh, and there has been an uptick in that. Yes, too. we are seeing that. I covered what we call bond hearings a few days ago, and we had almost three times the number of cases. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of needs. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit about crisis intervention training, which is uh, training police uh, to recognize uh, what it looks like w- when they're encountering a situation that is fueled by mental illness. I was a champion of this. I 
got funding for this. I passed legislation to fund it. It's been around for a while. I, I was renewing a, a program that was underfunded. And I went around uh, Minnesota uh, to find out about crisis intervention training. And I went to Columbia Heights, uh, a suburb of, of the Twin Cities. And uh, they had all had crisis intervention training. I went to the sheriff's office and asked them how crisis intervention training had helped them. And the sheriff couldn't be there that day. He was at something else. But the, his, the county attorney said that, oh, well, the sheriff wanted to say that the day after he took it, he didn't kill a guy he would have killed. So I said, okay, could I get a more garden variety <laughs> instance here? And so a, a policewoman uh, said, okay, uh, well... Uh, a couple months ago, I was out on the street, and uh, I, I heard a woman screaming. And I, I thought it must be a domestic uh, dispute or something, and I went to see, and she was alone. And uh, I approached her, and she went and, and started hanging from a railing that, uh, over this drop to a playground where she probably wouldn't have died, but she would have gotten very badly hurt. And because of my training, I was able to talk her off the railing and back. And I asked her what, what had happened. And she said she'd been sexually abused when she was young and the abuser had left town and now had come back to town. The cops said, I think I know where I can get you help. And she connected with the local mental health services. And she said, then, like a couple days ago, I was working a, a street fair, and this woman came up to me and said, you saved my life. Hmm. So I said, that's garden that. variety. That's the garden variety story. And she said, yeah. well, you know, I, I probably, I may never holster my gun as a cop, but I use this all the time. When you're trained to be a law enforcement officer, you are taught that if someone becomes aggressive, the best way to control the situation is to become more aggressive. Well, that may work fine in some cases, but if the person has a serious mental illness, they're paranoid by definition, your increased aggression is going to turn the situation into a terrible outcome. And just by talking to people, and we teach them how and what words and the distance and the eye contact makes all the difference in the world. And it's you're right, it's a program that started several years ago in Memphis by uh, Sergeant Cochran, who's now Major Cochran. And there's now an international organization, CIT International, that trains law enforcement officers and all over the country um, and in jails. And it really makes a huge difference. Our shootings went from two a month when we started to about five or six in the last eight or nine years. Wow. And... And wow. we keep a lot of data, and you can see the number of police injuries versus no arrest. And we can see that you're now the cool cop in Miami-Dade. If you get hit or pushed by somebody with mental illness and don't make the arrest, and you're kind of the wimp if you make an arrest of somebody with a mental illness. And the whole culture has changed. Oh, I and love they that. They get it, and they understand it, and they feel better. Look, you know. Uh, I don't want to get into a whole race issue, and, and sometimes that's a contributing factor. But I think police officers' PTSD is uh, part of the biggest reason that they often shoot because they get scared. 
And so by teaching them these skills and giving them some insight into their own issues that may be going on, it's had a wonderful impact on their own lives and the way that they're operating as a police officer. The most stunning statistic in many ways, I mean, the shooting one is an amazing one, but Steve's program has been able to cut the number of arrests in half. And as a consequence, because, you know, if they don't shoot somebody, they might tase them or simply haul them in for resisting arrest. He's been able to close a county jail, one of the three in the county, and save the county and taxpayers $12 million a year now, six years. Seven. Uh, is it Steve? Seven, seven years, years $84 million in savings, not to mention the incredible savings from the wrongful death uh, or, you know, wrongful assault suits uh, brought against the county. And if you close a jail now, having one fewer jail and so many fewer people in jail means that Miami-Dade is going to have fewer people in prisons, uh, including the guards and others, who will contract the coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, it made it a lot easier for us to, you know, we went from about 7,000 daily jail audit to about 4,000. I mean, it was a lot easier to do what we're doing, you know, dealing with this crisis with a lower population. But out of like 92,000 mental health calls, uh, our police that we track only did 100 and only made 152 arrests. The number of arrests in Dade went from about 118,000 a year when we started to 53,000 this year. It really is remarkable. You know, it's, it's interesting because when I was getting the funding, renewed funding for this, and I had to fight with Republicans who were, well, that's, you know, I don't know, that, you know, $300 million, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then it was like, um, okay, I'm going to put a hold on it. I'm going to make sure this doesn't pass unless we cut it uh, down to $200 million. <laughs> Former mayor of Miami, Manny Diaz, came up to me at one point and he said, you know, Steve, I went to New York to get our bond rating reviewed. And this is when we're in the middle of great expansion downtown. And he says, for three hours, I told him how great our economic expansion was. And he says, after three hours, the bond reviewers had one question. How did you get your police shootings down so significantly? They were spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year on lawsuits every time there was a shooting. So they actually got their bond rating improved, saved the taxpayers. Another God only knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars by better rates by doing, again, the right thing. And and so it just you just keep doing the right thing for the right reason in this project. You're going to see amazing outcomes. Okay, guys. All right, if that's your story, <laughs> you can stick with it. I guess we're sticking yeah. with it. Yeah, but you know, it's it's also important to note that um, you know it's partly just the resistance of anti-government people to spending money on anything, even if the spending is going to result in savings. The other, and there's a challenge of just uh, getting people out of the usual ways in which they do business. One of the miraculous things that's happened, and it's uh, just in part because of the dynamism of Judge Leifman, uh, prosecutors are geared up to prosecute. And uh, if you're an elected prosecutor, you know, the number of uh, trophies you have on the wall for arrests you make is uh, a big indicator. If you're a defense attorney, you want to get somebody off. And, uh, you know, when Steve was talking about that first case that he had with this young man who was the Harvard-educated psychiatrist, he had to let this young man go because the defense lawyer pointed out that he had no power to 
put this person into a long-term program. I will bet you that lawyer was exultant. She won, but she won freedom for somebody who's disappeared. And almost 20 years later, we have no idea if they're dead or alive. But Steve's been able to put the prosecutors and the uh, defenders together in common purpose and the other judges to go along and see a part of their role as redemption uh, for individuals who come in and see the people coming before them as human beings in a way that isn't necessarily natural, but to get others to move from their normal behaviors, to get people who allocate the money, elected officials who know that they're going to have to take the money out of one pot and put it into another, and the ultimate savings will come, but they may not get credit for that, and they're going to get the onus of having used taxpayer money. Miraculous as this program is, it's going to be a, a dogfight to get it adopted in a lot of other places. I, you know, watching the lawyers watch an individual come back in recovery is just fascinating because they get a much greater sense, you know, going off of what Norm's talking about, you know, they think they win when they win their case, but they win at a much greater level when they see somebody get healthy again. And, and it reinforces why we do this every time someone comes back to us that's in a much healthier state. And, and you just know that, you know, they're just people who happen to be ill. And, and there's just no reason that a criminal justice system should have to be doing this when we should be doing this in a civil system and helping people get their lives back. To my listeners, if you uh, are a little sick of... Uh... You know, watching Trump. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're not. But this is actually a feel-good movie. Uh, the definition of insanity. This is um, not a lot of laughs, shall I say? But I really was moved by it, and moved by the work you do, uh, Judge. And uh, I have been moved by the dedication, Norm that you have put into your work on, on mental health. And, uh, you know, the Urban Debate League is stunning, what you've done there, because Matthew was a, a champion debater, and you started this Urban Debate League here in in, uh, in D.C. And to see these kids, like the first kid who won that, these are very you know, uh, at risk. I hate that term. Actually, I don't like at risk. What do you? What? What's? What's a better term? You know, they're from Poor. Title One schools, <laughs> which means that they don't have the resources uh, to be able to get uh, ahead in life that others do. And and so I've gone to the the debate camp, and it's these kids discovering debate, and they love debate. And the kid who won the first year ended up going to Harvard. Yeah, he's uh, actually he's now he's still up there. Um, uh, they have them sheltered. Uh, the university's actually done a very not good job with uh, people who didn't have an easy way to get uh, back home. But this is a remarkable young man named Jonathan Collins uh, from a working class family in Prince George's County, Maryland, who's been able to really see the natural talents that he had and the drive that he had channeled in a way that would not have occurred otherwise because of debate and the life skills that you learn. And, uh, you know, that has been an extraordinarily gratifying thing. Uh, when I, we do a 
uh, we were going to do three weeks this year. We'll have to see whether we have to do a virtual debate camp with over 200 kids from fifth grade through high school. And every year at the end, we do a tournament and an award ceremony, and we get five or 600 people, families come with uh, siblings, with parents, with grandparents, uh, so proud of what these kids have accomplished. And I say that, you know, uh, I really do believe equal opportunity is a bedrock of a, a free society, but it's not equal when some people start 25 yards ahead of the starting blocks and others 25 yards behind. Okay, okay, Norm. To get people- Norm, okay, stop with the proselytizing. <laughs> you know, you know. All I can say to you guys is get a job. Okay, thank you guys. <laughs> uh, uh, honor knowing you both. And, Thanks for uh, giving us the attention it needs. It's really appreciated. Yeah, well, thank you for for your work, and thank you, Norm. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you, Al. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Once upon a beat, remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuel, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.